Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Apparently, I, I literally fed snowflakes to the wall. Even more creepy, frankly, was paparazzi went down to the beach and, and took pictures of Heidi in, in oh. her bikini. Here's a suggestion. Just don't be assholes. HHS facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas for migrant children. And you said it is not kids in cages. We've seen some photos now of containers. Is there a better description? Is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages? <laughs> what is the, the White House's description of this facility. These HHS facilities, this is one of them you're referring to, we had to expand and open additional facilities because there was not enough space in the existing facilities. This facility in Texas, which has been reopened, uh, has been revamped, has been, uh, there are teachers, there is medical facilities. Just like Alcatraz, all the amenities. It is a four diamond facility container, cage, that these kids are being treated to. And as much as Jen Psaki, uh, as much effort as she puts through, puts into trying to avoid the hard truth in this. That's your way of saying to the media pack. If the fact's in doubt, you'll go find things out and give more details when you circle back. You're no hack, Jen Psaki. You're no hack. <laughs> Definitely not. So she is, um, yeah, ooh, it is a tough one out there. And we'll have that exchange. It was really, really good because it's a really tough thing. And she spent four minutes explaining how these cages were not cages. And the, the dance she had to do was um, tough to watch, I tell you. But it was, it was good. And it's healthy. It's healthy for people to see this and people to understand what's happening uh, down there. I'm just going to let my friend AOC from 2019 tell you what we have. Whoa. Hold on. Tell you what we have happening on our in this country. The United States is running concentration camps on our southern border. And that is exactly what they are. They are concentration camps. And um, 
if that doesn't bother you, I don't. I got. I like. We can have. Okay, whatever. I want to talk to the people that are concerned enough. Yes, with like me and other caring Americans who again. understand that the words of the Statue of Liberty say, "Give me your tired and poor," and we know that is the central. <laughs> Uh, canon of uh, laws and fundamental principles of this country. I learned that from a member of the media of the four, four, fifth column. And so I believe that. And uh, yes, I don't know why Biden and Jen Psaki, you know, forget them. If they're not even willing to, to admit that having concentration camps is a bad thing, then uh, forget them. I do think that we need some protests down at the border. It is, uh, it's what's happening. But I, I want to get, Veer, before we get into the Jen Psaki thing, Alice, we've got a situation on Twitter here. We have been swept in. <laughs> the meek, uh, erstwhile, nascent podcast, Burn Barrel Podcast, mm -hmm. has been swept into a vicious competition on yes. Twitter involving some monsters of yes. uh, social media and media itself. Yeah, we've been placed into a podcast bracket. Um it's pretty heavy on the Barstool podcasts. Uh, but basically, um, we've been put up against... What's the name of the show that we're up against, honey? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, um, PT, Pardon the Interruption? Pardon yeah, the Pardon My Take. Pardon My Take, okay. Pardon My Take with Barstool Big Cat, who's Dan Katz right. from Chicago. Um, so we're the eight oh, is that, seed. Oh, so that's his show. Yeah, we're the eight seed, and he's the one seed in this. Their podcast me, has 600,000 Twitter yeah. followers, and we're 50-50 with them. So <laughs> if you're listening to this and it's still Wednesday evening, you may still have time to vote. There's still four please hours left. <laughs> get Please vote. Please get everybody you've All ever met. Of you everybody who you've ever met. Please dial every available phone number in China and in India and in any other country with a large population <laughs> and have them vote for us. Yeah. The idea that this you can find it on our this, Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. We've retweeted the poll a couple times, but um, yeah, there's about to be a a large upset potentially. We're on the verge of a, a large upset victory in the first round of the bracket. So, pardon my take is a huge Barstool show. <laughs> I've actually heard those guys on the Kirk Minahan um, podcast, which you should li listen to. I've heard uh, Big Cat um, on it. He's a really cool guy. He's a really great guy. So it's a, which is going to make it all the more difficult if we somehow pull this out. We're not going to pull it out. The I moment assume, he notices, I it's going to be eighty trillion to one. <laughs> I assume he hasn't yes. tweeted it or noticed that some that somebody with a thousand Twitter followers but has made a bracket could, and placed him in it. But we've noticed, we could so we're be excited. The upstart, new, freshly minted force that steals this one, a la a a AOC in her district a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Help us be your AOC, please, and vote in that Twitter poll. And um, if you have to... We're up a few votes now. It's 51.6 to 48.4 now. Yes. Create fake accounts if you can. <laughs> and uh, whatever you can. If you can yeah. hack into it. Uh, Don't let this be like election night 2020. Don't let them come in the dead of night and perform any vote dumps minutes before the poll closes. There we go. We're just booted off of YouTube with that one. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, hold on. And there goes the warning label on our video. Um. So let me get to, before we start here, I just want to get to something. Okay. Um, let me get to a couple of things. A very interesting thing that was asked in the in the uh, She's No Hack Circle back 
Jen Psaki, mm-hmm. presser today. A, a guy had a, a reporter had an interesting question. Psaki did not have the answer for this, but it's an interesting question. There's been some survey data that suggests there's some hesitancy within the armed services of taking the vaccine. The commander-in-chief, in theory, could require that members of the military take the vaccine. Is that something he's considered doing and is, is, is wanting or willing to do? That's a really interesting question. Everyone's questions are interesting, but that's a very interesting question. Uh, I have not spoken with him about that or to Secretary Austin about that, who any decision like that would be in consultation and at his recommendation. Uh, I'm happy to follow up with it on it, or I would, I would suggest you talk to my old friend John Kirby about where they stand on that question. Go ahead. Fine. Not shockingly, she's circling back. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But isn't it an interesting question, though? And that one I would tell her to circle back and talk to some people because that is a dangerous question. Mm-hmm. He could compel the military. And if we're following the science, yeah, then wouldn't they compel the military? Most healthcare facilities, I, I, I believe, I certainly in Massachusetts, they're not compelling healthcare people to take the vaccine. You don't True. have to. But a lot of them have previously compelled people to take the flu shot, which is much less mm-hmm. effective than this COVID shot. Right. Uh, yes. Yes. But, you know, just from the employer, not from a state level. But so this thing. is interesting. In the middle, do you think there's any chance that Biden would do that? Um, I don't think so. Just because I think that we're going to get. I mean, and this is my optimism talking. So maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I know people who are, say they're going to keep coming out with new variants and they'll demand that we all get it. But I think that we're going to have. I mean, thirty percent of the population's already had the thing. So. They have at least some degree of immunity. Now we're up to like maybe 15% vaccinated as well. And now probably some of those people had it and didn't realize. But um, but probably not the majority of them because they are telling you if you know you had it, don't get it yet. So altogether, you know, we're getting close to probably 40% of the population that has some degree of immunity. Now, you know, we're vaccinating one to two million people a day in 30 days that's another 60 million people that's another 20 percent of the population you know so we're talking about like now we're in numbers where we start to see effects of herd immunity and that's without starting to go towards people well, who i need, understand who that need and that. that's the so, scientific reason for what maybe it might not be pressing well yeah but if it's not pressing you're not going to have the uh, well, the the political will behind it to actually carry okay. out a policy like that. If it's pressing, if there's new variants and people continue to die and the vaccination isn't working and they're saying we need a higher number of people vaccinated in order for this to work and that's why people are still dying, then I think you could have a situation where there is the political will to actually put in a policy like that. Well, uh, I think another thing is the military skews younger. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, the the... the Troops are in their twenties and thirties. The, the enlisted guys, et cetera, generally, mm-hmm. and you're usually out of there by the time you're fifty or sixty. I, right. I believe that's a, that's that's a, the deal. Um, but I but, don't see any compulsion really happening. Because well, I, I think- mean, if the if Biden wears a mask, he makes all everybody in every federal building wear a mask, and he could compel these people to mm-hmm. get vac- vaccinations. But it's one thing to say, like, put a piece of cloth on your face. It's another thing to say, I'm going to inject you with this thing that has side effects and could kill you. I mean, like, it's obviously a very, very small number of people that the vaccine kills. It's like a one in a million chance that you'll be killed by the vaccine. But, you know, it's there's a reason why we we generally expect people to have vaccines and we make people get exemptions if their kids aren't going to have them in school and stuff. But we don't really... 
we don't by force make people get vaccinated the way they have in the past, like in Europe and stuff, where it's just like you absolutely have to. Like, that's it. That's the end. There's no like religious exemption in some countries for vaccines. You just have to go get the vaccine. Right. And we and we've never really had that in this country. The strongest it's ever gotten is you know, with a religious exemption and people complain about that even sometimes too, like with measles, but no one's like grabbing children off the street and vaccinating them for measles against their parents' will. You know, it's just not something that people do in the U.S. And I don't think it, right. I think it kind of cuts against the character of our nation a little bit. Just we're a little bit rebellious and. Well, actually, weren't the Tuskegee Airmen? Experimented on. Well, yeah, I know they were, but I assume that wasn't voluntary. I assume they were Yeah, told. but they were also lied to. Yeah. So, right, okay. yeah, but and there people are rightfully outraged by that. Yes. Because it's wrong. You know, yes. that that's not whereas in some parts of the world that just goes to the territories your government can do stuff like that to you, you know. But um but there's, you know, I'm not a vaccine skeptic personally, but you know, the and I understand the arguments that you have to have like over you have to have over a certain percent of the population get vaccinated or it doesn't help you know um but i mean it it to a degree helps you but the the real effect comes from having herd immunity and you can't get that unless a big percent of people do it but there's no point in going after that last small percent that won't do it because they don't really they don't really cause much problem unless they go over a certain percent of the population it's fine i don't know to poodles, Alice. <sighs> so um, Ted Cruz went on the what was the podcast called? Ruthless, ruthless, with ruthless comfortably po- smug. He's a big Josh, Twitter guy, um, by the way. Holmes. And please DM him, everybody, and let them know to vote for us against uh, Big Cat. Uh, comfortably, they had Ted Cruz on today. Those guys, and he had some interesting things to say, including about little snowflake. Mm-hmm. Little snowflake, Flake Cruz, the poodle who was abandoned in the house to freeze to death. The issue was addressed. You know, look, I, I spend too much time on Twitter, so I've seen <laughs> apparently I, I literally fed Snowflake to the wolves. Um, and, and it uh, of all the ridiculous stories, look, I, I love Snowflake. He was home with a dog sitter and actually the heat and power was back on. And so they this, this reporter went to our house and took a picture of Snowflake looking out out the front door, which he does most days and whoever walks by the the sidewalk whatever dog if a dog comes by snowflake will bark he let every dog he barks and the whole thing is just it's a little bit absurd do we have questions as to how a grown man has a dog named snowflake alice i assume it's his kid's idea there's you gotta draw a line (laughs) you gotta draw a line our dogs have one is standard very generic pepper in, that's from <laughs> Pepper from Little Orphan Annie, probably, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And the other is Dave, because my son, we have a son who comes up with creative things, and he wanted to call him Dave. <laughs> yeah. He wanted. He saw a cat, he wanted to name Nacho. I like that. He wrote in one of his school assignments today that um, he actually would have preferred the name Salt for Dave, like to have salt and pepper. Yeah, well, it was too easy. Uh, what did they write about me? He write about me today? Uh, that, was yesterday. that was yesterday. He had to write a letter. We're reading Sarah Plain and Tall, which is a children's book where this family in Kansas, after the mom and it dies, the dad puts an ad in the paper to write for a new wife to like come live yes. with them. So, um, which for anyway. me is near a tandem. Anyway, so the assignment was that you were supposed to write a letter to like if your family needed a new mom, like how you would 
advertise with with the newspaper ad that you would write to um, advertise your family. So he wrote that it's a lot of hard work and you'd have to change diapers. And then I told him that maybe he should like think of some positive things to put in too, um, to like sell it a little bit more. And he said that um, that she would get to read aloud books to the kids at night. And then he said, and then I said, well, you could say like daddy's handsome or something. And he said, no, you can say. He's not that handsome, but he tells funny jokes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, um, a loving tribute mm-hmm. from my son. All right. Back to Ted Cruz. He took umbrage, Allison. Most of, I think this is something that every woman in the country can understand. Mm-hmm. Even more creepy, frankly, was paparazzi went down to the beach and, and took pictures of Heidi in, oh. in her bikini. Now that is, yeah. And the New York Post ran all these pictures of, of Heidi in her bikini. And I will tell you, that she is pissed about. All the rest of it, she's fine. But she's – now, I'm sitting there. Look, I, Heidi is smoking hot. So I looked at the pictures <laughs> and said, man, you, you look great. But, you know, she's I, – yeah. I, 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 I don't think there are many women that would be thrilled to have reporters following them around, taking pictures of them in their bikinis and and then sticking them in the pages of the New York Post. But that's, that's, that's what, what goes by journalism these days. I think every woman on earth could imagine the paparazzi, huge telephoto lenses right up on your body. And it's uh, terrible. I hope she blamed Ted (laughs) because it really was a terrible decision to go to Cancun in the middle of that stuff. It was. So I can't blame the paparazzi necessarily either, but that is a terrible freaking situation. Right. You can blame the neighbors, though, who are also jerks. Yeah, I will say Heidi's pretty pissed at that. She actually was over to. It's about the texts being leaked. Mm -hmm. The neighbor's house yesterday, sort of walking through. So she texted several of our neighbors. Now, look, our neighbors. We've got a number of Republicans who are neighbors, but we also have a number of Democrats. Right. And so, you know, we had folks on our street who put up Beto signs, which I thought was a little, <laughs> That's a, little uh, a little rude. Um, <laughs> but but, you know, I was you know, I didn't like hold a victory party in the front yards when we when we won. So, you know, I was, uh, look, obviously, so, it's a sign of how ridiculously politicized and nasty and, and just, you know, Here's a suggestion: Just don't be assholes. Ted working blue on the Ruthless podcast, but he makes a good point there. The time mm-hmm. we moved out of, you yeah. ran for off. We had people around who had who put out all kinds of signs, right? Like, all of other people, other people yeah. who wouldn't put on lawn signs because they were scared. I mean, it just goes yeah. to show you what a different world it is. Because he's not; he thinks it's like a little rude for people to put out lawn signs, like for the opponent we had people like rush their kids out of the room if we came into a place basically like that's how we were treated because we were republicans <laughs> in massachusetts so in a more liberal sided town this town's probably um you know more like two-thirds liberal and one-third conservative but, but that town was more like probably like 80 or 90 but um yeah it just it, at least in the parents demo but it like He's just not used to that in Texas. He thinks that's rude that they put out a lawn sign. Like, wow. Oh, they mean, are the next door neighbors. I mean, well, yeah, can... I mean, but, st- and so, yeah, if you're friendly with them, it's a little weird, but like. There are people who have lawn signs for support and people who are saying F you. And that's Yeah, what that that's is. true. So especially, I, w- I wasn't quite clear if he meant that like they put them out during the actual race with Beto or. They did. They put them out like when he came back from King Because no. that would be kind of rude. <laughs> 
Um, so let's get to that Peter Ducey stuff. It's just because it's it's just too good, and he is he is definitely piling it on now. Mm-hmm. He has got he is totally emboldened, and good for him. I mean, he's been a working street reporter now for mm-hmm. quite a while, and I, I, you know, I, I will be wary if he starts. And there's some cuteness to this question. I don't want showboating reporters like that. I mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't like the Helen Thomas crap. Certainly didn't like any of these morons in the last four years and Yamiche and Jim Acosta and all those people, et cetera. So I'll be keeping an eye on on uh, Peter just to make sure he doesn't let his uh, head get too big. But right. asking tough questions is absolutely legit, and that is his job. We spoke yesterday about immigration and this facility, HHS facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas, for migrant children. And you said it is not kids in cages. We've seen some photos now of containers. Is there a better description? Is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages? What is the the White House's description of this facility? Well, let me let me give a broader description of what's happening here. And she has a broader description ready because yesterday was no bueno. It, for- yeah, it did not go well. So a little bird told me actually. Somebody liberal texted me and said they were listening to the show, and they said that um, that their liberal friends. And their more progressive friends are all angry about the new Biden opening the new facility. Here we after, go. Good. It's after he promised honesty. no kids in cages. And that um, I said, well, like, what about under Obama? And she said, well, you know, I think they've come around in the last few years to realize that Obama was actually conservative, too. So that's, <laughs> I think, where they are. But it's progress. That's, it's, we're getting there. We have a number of unaccompanied minors, children who are coming into the country without their families. What we are not doing, what the last administration did, was separate those kids, rip them from the arms of their parents at the border. We are not doing that. That Yes, that's the we're putting them into cages in a different way. (laughs) We're not doing separations where dad is arrested and so that you got to put the kid somewhere. And so he's going to have to be in a holding facility because he can't go to the huskow with uh, huskow with dad. Um, right. We've got a different way that we're putting kids into cages. At the end of the day, Jen, kids are getting into cages. Somehow, yeah. In containers, facilities, whatever you want to call them. That is immoral, and that is not the approach of this administration. That one, that's immoral. That's immoral. Our yeah. cages are moral cages. These are good cages. These kids, we have a couple of options. We can send them back home and do a dangerous journey back. We are not doing that either. That is also putting them at risk. We can quickly transfer them from CBP to these HHS-run facilities. That's one option. Or we can put them with families and sponsors without any vetting. There were some problems that that that, that process ran into as well. We've chosen the middle option. And these HHS facilities, this is one of them you're referring to, we had to expand and open additional facilities because there was not enough space in the existing facilities and if we were to abide by COVID protocols, that's the. Pro- it's odd that there was not enough space in existing facilities, considering I've just been told that Trump ran concentration camps yeah. on the southern border. Process and the step. Is it possible that Biden's concentration camps are bigger than Trump's concentration camps? I mean, it sounds like he had to expand the concentration camps, doesn't it? This facility in Texas, which has been reopened, uh, has been revamped, has been, uh, there are teachers, there is medical facilities, and our objective is to move them. There's plenty of parking, cable TV, there's a pool, but mostly there's also cinder blocks and bars and no freedom of movement. Yeah, there's Wayfair furniture, weird, Trump didn't have that. 
move these kids quickly from there to vetted, sponsored families uh, and to places where they can safely be. So unfortunately for her, uh, Ducey's also been studying. This is a difficult situation. It's a difficult choice. Oh, it's a difficult situation. Oh, who knew that immigration was a tough issue with nuance that was hard to manage? Choice. That's the choice we've made. So just one step back from that, we've been talking to people down at the border who say that right now DHS and the Border Patrol are using the same kind of facilities now that they did during the Trump administration and that there's a facility right now, it's in Donna, Texas instead of McAllen, Texas, but it's tents and chain link fence around it. And so tents, what is he, Joe Arpaio now? My goodness, all these, uh, you know, these uh, Shawshank uh, Biden facilities here sound pretty damn medieval. A CBP facility before they're transferred to the HHS facility? Is that what you're referring to? Yes, and the, the issue would be that... Just- I like that CVP facility, CBP. Uh, CBP, Border Patrol, and mm-hmm. uh, HHS facilities. They're also tents with fences. Yeah, you can put up a sign that says CBP with a little seal on it, but it doesn't make it not a tent or not a shipping container with bars on the window. At the end of the day, it is what it is. Just in the last couple days, they had hundreds of kids that they were holding for over 72 hours, which is the legal limit to keep somebody in a temporary facility. So I'm just curious why. Well, let's this is let's be clear though, cuz I know you want to be clear with the public yes. about the differences. The CBP facilities, which you're right, the objective is to is to move kids, unaccompanied minors, as quickly as possible, under 72 hours, to these HHS sponsored facilities. Which we're not doing, like Peter Ducey mm-hmm. just said. Which is the one where we've been referring to in Texas. They are two different things. There has been some. There were some delays last week because of weather and because some of these facilities to safely move these kids to did not have power and were not in a place where they could they had the capacity to take in these kids and do it safely. That is not our objective. So much context. There's a universe mm-hmm. of context now. Now the weather's involved. That is not our goal. So some unfortunately did stay four days, five days or longer. But the objective is to move them as quickly as possible to uh, you got a fifteen seventy on your SATs. What is five times twenty four? hundred and twenty. So that's more than seventy two, correct? Because mm-hmm. 72 is the, the regulation, the law, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay, so 120. What's 120 minus 72? Uh, 48. Um, so that's 48 hours more than they're supposed to be by law. Mm-hmm. Okay, just want to make sure. The HHS-sponsored facilities. Has the White House seen the comment from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, uh, speaking about that HHS facility in Carrizo Springs, said, this is not okay. Never has been okay, never will be okay, no matter the administration or party. Well, I think the difficulty is, I haven't seen the full context of the quote or interview of the of the tweet uh, that was that she shared but i would say the difficulty is what i outlined or what i outlined earlier we have kids coming across the border it is heartbreaking uh, i think we all as human beings are heartbroken as parents as mothers as fathers too uh, we only have a couple of choices what we are not doing is dividing these kids and separating from their parents at the border which is what the last administration did and why president biden or then candidate biden and then candidate harris were outspoken at the time about these kids being pulled from their parents. Well, they also, kids in the cages is what they were talking mm-hmm. about. Caged kids uh, and family separation, sure, is, is one thing. But the money shot was kids 
in cages. What we are doing is working as quickly as possible to process these kids into these HHS facilities, which have been revamped, which have medical and educational services available. She's got to stop talking up the amenities. Stop. Yeah. Well, okay, they've been medically revamped, and they've got all sorts of great amenities in there. Let's let some photogs in there. Let's yeah. let some reporters in there. Let's let Ducey in there to go in there and chat with the kids. They mm-hmm. couldn't wait to get in there during the Trump time. Oh, yeah. Remember they looked at all of the, they're making the kids drink out of toilets when the sink was on the back part of the toilet. They're like, <laughs> drinking out of toilets. So that we can then transfer them to families. That's well, what our approach is. And so if there is this big difference, would the administration support if it could be done but safely because of COVID and with privacy concerns for the children in mind, would the administration support letting reporters in and press Ooh. in to see what the difference is? I think you'd have to talk to the Department of Homeland Security about that. There are obviously safety protocols about that, privacy concerns, but I certainly encourage you to reach out about that. Uh, go ahead in the back. Yeah, that mostly. was quite the little stutter there. Uh, yeah. You, uh, uh. Mm. Yeah, they wanted to see these. Uh, They're not going to be allowed in. Vetted parents too. I'd like to be more more about that. To Saki's credit, he got to ask about eighty three follow ups. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there is a. That's an. I don't think she's got the chops to be doing that, going tete a tete with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if if they're trying to do it to show that they're being transparent, to show that they're uh, available to <coughs> aggressive reporters, mm-hmm. then good on them. That's I I think I enjoy them. Well, I think too uh, that. Um, <clears throat> oh, but also, lefties don't also, necessarily <laughs> hear the same thing that we hear when the, they have these exchanges because, no. um, like, even when I found the um, the thing with the cages yesterday, I found it on a raw story article that was like, "Boom, Jen Psaki shuts right. down." Peter Ducey's completely disingenuous question or something. The headline was like along those lines. And I think that, you know, to people who agree with her, they think she's great. Just like, you know, we thought McEnany was great and they all thought she was terrible. Uh, I don't think it's quite the same. I don't mm-hmm. think it's quite the same. I, I appreciate the art of being a flack. <laughs> and so when that's done well, I'm impressed. And I thought McEnany did it very well. Mm-hmm. I certainly think McEnany was spinning 99% of the time, like Saki. They all, that's their job, it's to spin. Right. But Saki, I don't think a lot of times is doing it well. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has the skill set to try to pull this stuff off. She's not good at this. She's just had great jobs. It's, there's a lot of that yeah. in Washington, D.C. It also could be, <clears throat> before I give too much praise to the administration, it also could be that, and I didn't watch this whole presser today. And for, I'm, I'm going during the days, so I can only watch chunks of them. So uh, she's. Um, it also could be that she took 158 friendly questions and mm-hmm. needed some antagonistic questions and just used him for six of them. Yeah. In that block. Okay. So uh, here's another one that that was uh, interesting. That um, somebody's got to think of a better way to ask this than this reporter did. But it is a. Uh, it, it should be a front burner question. What is this president's view toward the loyalty that teachers unions? should have towards students. Teacher, this president is a strong supporter of unions, public sector unions. Is a teacher's union's obligation to the workers and their concerns about safety? Or is a teacher's union obligation also to students? 
Well, I can't speak to the obligations or the, the, I'm not a spokesperson for the teachers union. I'm a spokesperson for the president of the United States. So I can convey to you that his commitment is to the students and to the teachers and to the parents who want to have their kids back in school. And he wants to do that safely. And that's what his focus is on. And that's the role he can play from the federal government. So that's obviously weak sauce. The question wasn't phrased correctly. I don't think. I think mm-hmm. he, that you sh- that she should have put him. On, or he should have put her on the spot more. Right. Probably with some um, some mental health statistics or something along those lines, mm-hmm. or just a competing science. Uh, and not necessarily ask the question about what's the union's obligation to students, as much as like what's Biden's obligation when he is pro union and the. Right. Interests of the union are coming into conflict with the needs of children. Um, and let's see. Speaking of Biden, yesterday he was uh, hanging out with Prime Minister Trudeau, who was slamming Trump, by the way. I don't know if you heard any of that stuff. Saying it's good to have leadership back here in the White House. I'm fine with him not being on my team. Uh, and um, and he's a very low character who has had this odd obsession with blackface. But that's fine. <laughs> But um, here is true. Here's uh, just Trump having a little trouble expressing his uh, or reading, really. Let me reiterate our support for the release. Did I say Trump. It's Biden. Biden. Yes, I knew what you meant. Start from the scratch here. Here he is. Let me reiterate our support for the release of the detained Chinese, detained in China, two Canadians, Michael Spavor and Michael Coving. Covering, excuse me. Human beings are not bartering chips. Yeah, sometimes uh, it, those uh, teleprompters can be tough to get through if you mm-hmm. are Joe Biden. But he's out there selling. He's out there still selling his uh, huge stimulus bill that is packed, it, that is so cynically Democratic politics. It's just packed with crap. Steve Scalise today. Uh, jumped in front of a microphone to take issue with it. Just the other day, President Biden challenged Republicans to show him the waste. What would you cut, President Biden said. My response to President Biden would be, how much time do you have, Mr. President, to go through the litany of things in this bill that have nothing to do with COVID? Do it, Steve. Who said a subway to Silicon Valley has anything to do with COVID? Who said a $15 minimum wage that estimates show would kill over $50 billion in economic activity and jobs in America has anything to do with COVID. Who says a state bailout of $350 billion to blue states like California? California in this bill would get over $40 billion in bailout money when they just announced they have a $10 billion surplus. So why, Mr. President, would you want to borrow money from our children and grandchildren to bail out failed states? and to keep schools closed for another year when the science says open schools today. So my challenge to President Biden would be work with Republicans to actually help families who are struggling, to reopen small businesses, to get kids back in the classroom, not one day a week in six months, but today. Here, here, I love him ticking off the uh, mm-hmm. the the pork items. It's it just shows just shows how cynical Washington is. They could care less if it's a pandemic. Right. All that is to them is opportunity, opportunity, and we'll see what happens with this bill. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I mean, certainly some things will be knocked off. There's no doubt about it. But I, I mean, I don't see how a, any bill with a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Passes. Yeah, I mean it. It seems a little odd to me, but... It, to, to work in the back country of Missouri, you're going to destroy every small town mm-hmm. job. 
Yeah, it's um, it's it's not workable for small businesses, and small businesses are not um, you know, in a good place right now anyway. And to be fair, I mean, the minimum wage thing isn't an overnight. It's like what Massachusetts mm-hmm. did, where it goes up a bit every year until it hits fifteen in like five years or whatever it is. But still, it's too much in many parts of the country. That's just it doesn't make sense in those places. I mean, fifteen you could make a case for fifteen in like Massachusetts, where the cost of living is very, very high. But no matter where you do it, even if you do it in places where that's like a, a reasonable wage to pay people, you know, you're still putting people out of work it's just fewer people you know you're always going to prevent businesses from hiring people to some extent and you're always going to ensure that people who don't have skills already are locked out of jobs where they can get skills like that I mean it's not I'm the first to say I've worked lots of jobs where I didn't make $15 and I wasn't worth $15 and you know it you're not supposed to spend your whole life doing that job no yeah you're not supposed to be working full-time at that job supporting your family you know you're there you're supposed to keep moving you know it's not there not every job that exists on the earth is supposed to be a support your family no some jobs some jobs are gigs and now actually with the gig economy and now we know that people are doing this shopping that's why they're coming after that too because like those drivers are uh, Instacart workers or whatever don't always make the minimum wage too. But sometimes bagging groceries at the grocery store is just bagging groceries at the grocery store for a teenager to earn some extra pocket money. Sometimes it's not, you know, I'm trying to support my family on this job. Right. Well, and and also you're just you're, all you're doing is accelerating having that uh, grocery bagger be replaced by a machine, mm-hmm. which is you know what. The entire industries are made of replacing humans, and that's exactly what you're going to get. And now with, uh, you know, up here about 10, 15 years ago, remember Stop and Shop, which is uh, one of the mm-hmm. grocery stores we have up here, had the thing where you could self-scan. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a little early for that then. I don't know how many people took advantage of it. Yeah. But now it's you could do everything with your phone. There's no reason to be ever walking, hand, putting your things on a conveyor mm-hmm. belt. So that a person can press buttons? Well, and Amazon's working on the grocery store model where you either like the shelves are smart or the bag is smart or whatever. I forget exactly how it works. But like you just walk into the store, put your stuff in a bag and walk out and it bills your Amazon account. Yeah. You know, because that's. And so that you don't have to interact with a human or walk through a checkout right. line at all. So, and Amazon so- has done a very good job of wiping out the rest of retail, and this will be exactly the future for that stuff. Alice, um, Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo is having a rough day, I would say. Um, How's the voting going, by the way, in our poll? Um, we're up a little bit right now. You check that while I come here. So um, if you remember, last December, there was a woman who said that she had quit working in um, Governor Cuomo's uh, on Governor Cuomo's staff because um, he had been sexually harassing her. And uh, not much was made of it at the time because um, he said she was lying, basically. And that was the end of it because the media loves Cuomo and Cuomo loves the media. And he was Emmy Award winning and she was just some disgruntled person. Um, but she put out a uh, long post after being accused of lying on Medium today. And, um, yeah, it's, it's extremely detailed with dates, times, things happened, things he said, things he did, emails that his staffers sent to her. Um, so, uh, here we go. Here's her story of working with Governor Cuomo. 
Let's play strip poker. I should have been shocked by the governor's crude comment, but I wasn't. We were flying home from an October 2017 event in western New York on his taxpayer-funded jet. He was seated facing me so close our knees almost touched. His press aide was to my right and a state trooper was behind us. That's exactly what I was thinking, I responded sarcastically and awkwardly. I tried to play it cool, but in that moment I realized just how acquiescent I had become. Governor Andrew Cuomo has created a culture within his administration where sexual harassment and bullying is so pervasive that it is not only condoned but expected. His inappropriate behavior towards women was an affirmation that he liked you, that you must be doing something right. He used intimidation to silence his critics, and if you dared to speak up, you would face consequences. That's why I panicked on the morning of December 13. While enjoying a weekend with my husband and six-year-old daughter, I spontaneously decided to share a small part of the truth I had hidden for so long in shame and never planned to disclose. The night before, former Cuomo staffer confided to me that she, too, had been the subject of the governor's workplace harassment. Hmm. Her story mirrored my own. Seeing his name floated as a potential candidate for U.S. Attorney General set me off. In a few tweets, I told the world what a few close friends, family members, and my therapist had known for years. Andrew Cuomo abused his power as governor to sexually harass me, just as he had done with so many other women. So then she goes on to say how they smeared her. Ron Kim had so said wait, he was bullying. It... I'm going to get to the good <coughs> stuff here. Hang on. But... um. So anyway, she says her first encounter, she was the vice president at Empire State Development and was promoted to chief of staff at the State Economic Development Agency. Um, on January 6, 2016, after the governor's speech, he stopped to talk to me. I was new on the job and surprised by how much attention he paid me. My boss soon informed me that the governor had a crush on me. It Ooh. was an uncomfortable but all too familiar feeling, the struggle to be taken seriously by a powerful man. Uh, Stephanie Benton, director of the governor's offices, told me in an email on December 14, 2016, that the governor suggested I look up images of Lisa Shields, his former girlfriend, because we could be sisters and I was the better looking sister. Oh. And she posts that email in here, Stephanie Benton. He says, look up Lisa Shields. You could be sisters, but you're the better looking sister. In an email from My goodness. Stafford. Um, the governor began calling me Lisa in front of colleagues. That's really, that's special. I complained to friends as the governor would go out of his way to touch me on my lower back, arms, and legs. His senior staff began keeping tabs on my whereabouts. And mm. she posts emails from his staff about where she is, if she's going to be at events, other things. The governor's behavior didn't made me nervous, but I didn't truly fear him until December 2016. Senior state employees gathered at the Empire State Plaza Convention Center in Albany. Um, after his remarks, the governor spotted me in a room filled with hundreds of people waiting to shake his hand. As he began to approach me, I excused myself from co-workers and moved upstairs to a more distant area of the party. Minutes later, I received a call from an unlisted number. It was the governor's body person. He told me to come up to the Capitol because the governor wanted to see me. Oh, I made my way through the underground connection that linked the plaza to the Capitol. As the black wrought iron elevator took me to the second floor, I called my husband. I told him I was afraid of what might happen. That was unlike me. I was never afraid. I exited the elevator to see the body person waiting for me. He walked me down the hall of governors. Are there cameras here? I asked him. I remembered my mother's text warning the month before not to be alone with the governor. I worried that I would be alone with him. I didn't know why I was there or how it would end. I was escorted into the governor's office, past the desks of administrative assistants, and into a room with a large table. As he showed me around, I tried to maintain my distance. He paused at one point and smirked as he showed off a cigar box. He told me that President Clinton had given it to him mm, while Jesus. he served as the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. The reference to the affair with Monica Lewinsky was not lost on me. The governor must have sensed my fear because he finally let me out of his office. 
His inappropriate gestures became more frequent. A signed photograph of the governor appeared in my closed-door office while I was out. In 2018, I was promoted to Deputy Secretary for Economic Development and Special Advisor to the governor. I initially turned it down because I didn't want to be near him. I finally accepted the position at the governor's insistence with one requirement. I would keep my old office and remain on a separate floor from him and his inner circle. I tried to excuse my behavior. I told myself it's only words. But that changed on a one-on-one briefing when the governor to update him on economic and infrastructure projects. We were in his New York City office on 3rd Avenue. As I got up to leave and walked toward an open door, he stepped in front of me and kissed me on the lips. I was in Mm -hmm. shock, but I kept walking. I left past the desk of Stephanie Benton. I was scared. That's the staffer who had emailed her to tell her to look up the ex-girlfriend. The idea that someone might think I was scared that she had seen the kiss. The idea that someone might think I held my high-ranking position because of the governor's crush on me was more demeaning than the kiss itself. After that, my fears worsened. I came to work nauseous every day. My relationship with his senior team, mostly women, grew hostile after I started speaking up for myself. I was reprimanded and told to get in line by his top aides, but I could not ignore it. On September 26, 2018, I sent a mass email informing staff members of my resignation. She goes on to say she implicates in particular Melissa DeRosa. She Hmm. goes... you know, bullying her and all this stuff. But I mean, I would say that that's pretty damning. Yeah, the kiss is not great. Yeah, not great. I mean, none of it is awesome. Having unlisted numbers call you to tell you to go show up alone in an office with the governor is a little frightening. Personally, I would find that frightening. And uh, I mean, all of it. I don't know. I don't think it's a good look. I don't know how he's going to, you know, say that it's just all made up. How's our poll doing? We are still ahead, Alice. Somehow we are still ahead. I'm glad you asked that question. Let me get the latest. Uh, we were by 55 to 45 was the last thing I had seen. Wow. <laughs> Tom, who was it that said, uh, I mean, are we, local Fatso's podcast says, I mean, are we serious? Burnouts and shatheads. This is our chance. Right. So got, we do have oh, to go over our yes, names. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. We so. Do? So we and also before I get to that, there was um, to you had a compliment on your language the other night. Oh, um, oh. Nancy wrote to us to say that she looks forward to our podcast. They're the best. Mondays had our laughing out loud. We had twin girls twenty eight years ago, and I can relate. Um, Kids are a young girls game. I first heard Todd on I first heard Tom on WTIC with Todd and was thrilled to learn there was a podcast I could listen to. How refreshing to hear people with common sense. Tom, keep using the salty language. I love it. Wishing <laughs> you all the best. Thank you, Nancy. I I usually go on Todd with uh, th- on Thursdays at three. Although tomorrow I think I've got a work meeting that I cannot miss. I mm. think we'll see though. But thank you very much. That's very nice of you to say. I appreciate that. I'll try to keep the expletives coming. Mm-hmm. And so we have four contenders for um, the name that we should give to the Burn Barrel Podcast fans. And um, yeah, you can have some of my water. Um, so we have um, and a couple variations. So we have the Shatheads or the Great and Powerful Shatheads. Somebody's in, uh, which is a reference to right. a show Tom used to be a producer on. Um, that's a longtime fan that suggested that. I went a long time through my life without people realizing that the word "shat" was available to to use to bludgeon me with, but uh, the. The secret is out, apparently. Um, yeah, so the shatheads are a possibility. <laughs> um, the uh, burnouts or the barrel burnouts. Um, burnouts. The barrel heads, the barrelers, and the shattocrats. Shattocrats. Oh, what, like C-R-A-T-S? It could be. They suggested in their tweet that yeah. you could call them either the shattocrats, like Democrats, or right. shattocrats, depending how you were feeling about your fans. Ooh, I like that. I like, damn, those are all good. 
Those are all good. All right. Is that uh, is that it? Should we uh, head out? You've got to go to work, right? Yes, I do. So, um, making us warehouse money. You may need to do a lot more of that soon, Alice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. Who knows? We're moving T-shirts. We are. We're moving T-shirts. It's true. People are buying Burn Barrel Podcast apparel. So just yes, that's all that stuff is available to just premium uh, members, and we forgot to uh, put up a, a paywall. That requires you to do anything to be a premium member. So you are a premium member if you're listening right now. Congratulations. Welcome to uh, First Class. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, you are awesome. Um, So do go on to Twitter. Find that poll. Vote if it's still um, Wednesday evening where you are. It is um, Burn Barrel Pod on Twitter. And we've tweeted the poll a couple times there. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can send us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, too. You can comment there. You can subscribe to always see video versions of the podcast. Any of those. Say la vie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.